The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Good morning. I'm back. You couldn't get rid of me that easily. I'm Natalie Chill. This is Open Line on today's News Talk. It's Monday the 26th of February 2024. Rick and Gemma will be with me, of course, and we've got Simon Gold and John Porter as well. So sadly, I did need to take a week off last week for compassionate leave. Uh, The Friday before, I literally just got on holiday the weekend away with my children and uh, had a phone call to say my partner of the last three years had had a stroke on the building site. I'm smiling. It wasn't funny at the time. Um, He's uh, now recovering at home. My nan also had her funeral last week. So anyway, during these difficult emotional times, it does put life into perspective. I promise myself now, uh, made a personal promise that I will stop stressing and worrying over such trivial matters because you know what? Life is simply too short. Uh, I had a big reminder of that last week. And in the same way, it's made me think about the news as well, because, you know, I had the week off. I didn't have to keep looking through the papers, uh, didn't need to be checking the headlines. And you know what? They carry on regardless whether you pay them any attention or not. And as Rick so often says, today's news is tomorrow's chip paper. So just a little reminder for you this morning, live life to the full in the present. Uh, You don't know what's around the corner. Don't just survive your existence. Don't take every uh, news headline too seriously. And uh, remember to take stock of what's truly important in your life. Anyway, Uh, After my little uh, introduction, we'll get straight back to it. Into the headlines, the British Transport Police axes a compulsory fitness test, Rick. The bleep test, which I remember if you did in school, apparently uh, it's discriminatory to women. So the British Transport Police, if you don't know, uh, they are basically for the railways, funded by the railways, and uh, it's just too discriminatory for women. They can't pass it, Rick. They're not fit enough. So instead of uh, trying to increase their fitness, they're getting rid of the test. What do you reckon? I think they're using women as a scapegoat here. I think there's as many unfit and portly men yeah. working uh, for the British Transport Services as there are women. So maybe all the fat guys have got together and said, you know what, this is going to look bad if we can't run the length of ourselves. Let's blame the women. Let's say that the women can't run as fast as us, so therefore it's discriminatory against them, and let's scrap this thing altogether. I don't know. I mean, like basic fitness, you should be able to at least run up and down the platform, you know, chasing away ticket dodgers. But something smells a little bit fishy about this one to me. I think it's the men who can't face the facts that most of them are probably unfit. So therefore, they're blaming the women in this one, Natalie. But either way, the test is gone so they can uh, rest easy and continue to consume those. Do you remember doing the bleep test back in school? Did you ever do it? Yeah, I I used to be able to do it, no problem. Uh, But I was fit back then. I don't think I'd be able to pass it now. But I have got the figures. Uh, It says uh, of June 2022, 8% of female officers, 42, failed the test. They're now being allowed back to their job. Uh, 1.9%, 45 men uh, failed it as well. So you're right. There were more men that failed it than women. 
Yeah, three more men failed it than women. Uh, and uh, yeah, of the 87 test failures, 86% were over 35 years old and 32% were above 50. Uh, so are they ageist as well here? Uh, or, or is it just that they can't get enough people for the job who are fit enough? I, I actually didn't see those figures. So when I was saying about probably as many unfit men as women, it looks like that was the case. And I would say this, instead of scrapping the test altogether, why not do what the government does? Just alter the beeps. Okay, so it's usually, you know, you get 15 seconds to run and touch the wall and in 15 seconds to go back, just stretch the beeps out to maybe two yeah. minutes and then they could waddle or shuffle down, touch the wall and then waddle back again. Everybody's a winner. They don't have to embarrass yeah. anyone and everybody's passed as fit when they can't run the length of themselves. You've got a great idea there. Just change the whole bleep test. Look, the just like they've done for the um, ONS figures for the XSF. Yes. They've changed that completely too. Let's just change the bleep test. Listen to us here on TNT. We know how to manipulate statistics. So uh, time for a quick pause and we'll speak to Gemma here at today's News Talk. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, Gemma. Uh, do you reckon you'd be able to pass the bleep test? In terms of swearing, yes, I can pass the bleep test, absolutely. <laughs> my, my normal life, everything's an expletive. Um, I don't remember the bleep test from school. Maybe I've just blacked it out. Is, some, is it when you had to breathe into the tube as well and that you'd get the yeah. oxygen, all of that? You've no, got to run from else. one, what, you've got to one, run from one uh, place to another, but A to B, and you have to do it within a certain amount of time. And, uh, if, before and the beeps the bleep, get closer, the beeps the bleep, get yep. closer and closer together. So one by one, the unfit fall away while the fit yep. continue to run while everyone yep. else is a panting, uh, sweaty mess on the gym floor. So it's like running between A and B, touch the wall before the beep, and then you have to run and touch it, but they get they get shorter and shorter. Quite an evil little but, uh, device. Yeah, so school. strength and cardio. you got to have some stamina there to, to finish the bleep test. So uh, what do you reckon, Gemma? Do you reckon you'd pass that 10 minutes of solid running? I think I comprehensively bunked off school that day because I don't remember that at all. And I did used to bunk off school quite a lot when it came to physical education. I wasn't into it. I am now. I probably, I don't know. I don't want to lay the gauntlet down. I don't know. No comment. What is that? Politicians. No comment. Yeah. No comment. Let's move on to something else. I, I want to see if we can get a range of competition. All, all, the, all the TNT hosts, let's get a bleep test. That would be entertaining to watch. Uh, but there but there we are. What, what story have you got? Off, yeah, exactly. It probably would. Uh, what stories you got for us this morning, Gemma? Well, I fear that this story, which is which has been everywhere this morning, is another legacy of of the scandemic of the last few years. I mean, you and I, Rick, talked last week about the closure, the widespread closure of pubs in the UK, and we we directly sort of blame that on the, the policies of the last few years. And, and even this morning, actually, I was talking about the closure of nightclubs and bars in London, of all places, another direct fallout of the last few years. And I think that this is the same. Um, this this story has been dubbed Generation Sick Note by so many uh, media outlets, and I, I think us included actually because the statistics do rather speak for themselves but basically uh, the people in their 20s are far more likely to be off work 
due to ill health, especially mental health, than those in their 40s. Now, you know, the 40s are normally associated with things like a midlife crisis or people looking after young children and elderly parents, the sandwich generation under a lot of pressure. But even so, the 40s are likely to be in work. The 20s and under, absolutely not entering the workforce, not getting qualifications, not getting high paid jobs because of an epidemic of mental health issues. Um, Just to some statistics here, in 21 and 22, 2021-2022, 34% of those surveys, so kicking on for half, you know, of 18 to 24 year olds reported severe mental health problems, including anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder, which is a really severe, you can be sectioned, well, you can be sectioned for any of those conditions, but bipolar, especially because you're more of a danger to yourself and others. Uh, women are more likely to be affected. Young women are 41% of those um, surveyed were young women who said they had experienced severe mental health problems as opposed to nearly 30% of men. And 80% of those not working because of mental health issues, uh, their qualifications stop at GCSE level, which is the lowest qualification you get in the UK education system. They haven't gone beyond that. No no diplomas, no A-levels, certainly no uh, postgraduate education. Uh, and also children under the age of 18 are missing out on record days of school uh, due to mental health issues, which will then have a knock-on effect for their employment chances uh, down the line. Um, obviously, this 2020 and 2021 was when these uh, kind of facts and figures were garnered and a report is out today illustrating this fact. But if you know, what, what happened around those years, Rick, Natalie, what happened? You know, you locked the whole world down. You isolated young people from each other. Young people didn't go to school. Young people were stuck in front of screens. Young people were told they were going to kill their grandmother unless they had an experimental jab shoved in them. Don't you think that might have a knock on effect? on young people's mental health. Don't you think that might be the results of what the policies were at the time? And they weren't just specific to the UK, they were global, global policies affecting young people. And lo and behold, we've now got this epidemic of mental health, which is stopping young people from probably leaving the house, let alone entering the workforce. Now, the problem is, of course, young people pay for older people's state pensions. So if young people aren't going into the workforce and earning enough money, they're not paying enough tax to fund the likes of you and I when we're older and we want to retire. So this is a significant problem. And I would wager this doesn't just affect the UK. This young, the young people are isolated all over the world. You don't think it's going to have an effect on mental health? I think these statistics today bear that out. What do you reckon, uh, Rick, more people, young people with mental health problems? There is. And I think the the, the lockdowns, the scandemic years just acted as a catalyst uh, to accelerate this even further. I think, you know, for a long time, kids' mental health has been in decline. Just with the rise of the internet, what's going on online, what they're being bombarded with, what they're being taught in schools, I think is having a very detrimental effect on children's mental health. And when the lockdowns came and the fear propaganda came and children were bombarded with it. I think it just acted as a catalyst. It speeded up uh, the deterioration and mental health that was already there. And now we're dealing with the fallout from that because people have been getting used to the fact that, well, I don't need to be at work. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to uh, go to school. I did my remote learning. What's the point anyway? People are getting a really futile outlook on life and uh yeah jam it's a real mess at the minute uh that people's mental health is in especially the young at the minute and certainly i believe the the last four years i was going to say two to three years it's been four years now uh, has just accelerated that from an already bad starting point 
Yeah, I, I also wanted to add, I agree with everything you've said, but uh, I think the problem as well is like this kind of work mentality. I was brought up in a household, as a lot of older people were, older generations, that you had to go to work. You don't take a day off sick. Like it's a really bad thing to do. I felt terrible for having a week off. You know, that's kind of been instilled within me. That hasn't been instilled within younger generations and also this kind of woke victim mentality that we see within the kind of trans ideology as well. Um, and, and I'm not underplaying mental health problems. I've suffered with my mental health too. But yes, there are genuine mental health problems. But there are also, also a lot of the younger generation, Gemma, who, who have been told that it's part of almost their identity, that you can go on furlough, that, that you know, mental health becomes, oh, I couldn't possibly work. You know, I've, I've got all these issues you know that, that, that I think there's a combination of the two things aren't there you know there is a genuine mental health problem but there are people who are you know kind of caught in this system now I, I completely agree with you and uh, I can I can cite an example of uh, there's a major broadcaster in the UK not not the BBC who I used to work for but another major broadcaster who's very up and coming um, and and I know a, a friend at high level uh, former broadcaster and he was talking to the boss of this particular station and the boss who's my age, a bit older, said, I don't understand it. The young people are coming through now and they just can't do the job. They don't want to do the job. And when you haul them in for a, a bollocking, which is well known in the media, a bollocking's a bollocking, they, they go, okay, yeah. Whereas if I got hauled in when I was in the media for a bollocking, my God, you came out shaking if you got your job wrong, you know, and you got the station into trouble. It's that whole culture has changed, Natalie, and I completely agree with you on that. And they don't know what, to, people don't know what to do about it because the mindset is completely different the problem is of course if people young people aren't working is they're not propping up the older generation in, in terms of state pensions and benefits and that's that's where the money for all of that comes from is people in work so it's it's a more than a crisis of mental health it will become an economic crisis i think very very soon because we have an aging population in the uk well who's going to pay for it and and does that does, does that rick push us possibly towards a universal basic income in the end if people are all too ill to work mentally no, no nobody can manage it oh it's all too much just pay well, me the, universal that's basic the way income. The, the way things are going at the minute i mean if you look at south africa uh the unemployment rate there's 45 percent 45 percent among the adult population and they're really uh, pushing for a universal basic income style thing because simply people haven't got any money to live and they, they either won't or can't find work and then it's having a huge knock-on effect in the economy and it's going to buckle and it's going to break and i think that's the trajectory that we're on here uh, in europe as well with stories like this that gem has just highlighted this is stuff that's uh seeded uh for a, a harvest of economic and mental woes that are coming down the line as well as the people that are already suffering from this here at the minute and of course the nhs uh, are stretched to capacity you were told we have they haven't got the money to do this mismanaging funds they haven't invested into mental health and they're not going to so i think this is only going to get worse yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and I do wonder as well, some of it, is it engineered? Uh, like like we're trying to say, you know, they don't seem to be doing anything about the mental health crisis, whether it be the NHS, there's no funding. Uh, they're not trying to get to the root of the problem. We're seeing it uh, globally, almost in lockstep. So, you know, we'll continue to bring this uh, these stories to you. And obviously, if you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out. There are lots of places you can do that. Uh, thank you, Gemma, for bringing that one to us. We're going to take a break and Simon Gold will be with us uh, here at today's Do Talk. TNT's Jeremy Nell, a gentleman in the UK who um, was falsely accused of rape and he spent four years behind bars. Now, John, this is a 
this is a tricky situation. You, you're oh, talking yeah. about a very, ser a very serious crime here. The problem is, is that the establishment sides with women, which is why he ended up in jail. Yeah. But he d he didn't rape her. So I've got a question for you: What should happen to those women? Yeah, I, I felt very, very strongly, Jeremy, because I, and this is why one reason why I quit the teaching profession. I had 20 years as a school teacher. Um, when this girl accused me, it, it was all vindictive. It was uh, kind of get you back for, for, you know, putting her in a place kind of thing. She couldn't accept discipline. Um, the retaliation, it cost me a year without pay as a school teacher. I, I was on, you know, unemployed and effectively lost, I lost my career in the community. I had to move to a different part of the country. Jeremy now on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. Welcome back. Don't forget you can call in at the end of the show. Just wanted to read uh, this from the online chat. Jane Black says, my daughter's friends, three of them on antidepressants, all online on TikTok, Instagram. My daughter isn't online. She's 100% great. But then look at her friends. They're in despair. So that, I think, is a sign of the times. Uh, but welcome back to the show, the wonderful Simon Gold. Uh, you can follow him at Gold Eagle Media One on X. He's a social media commentator and journalist. And uh, he's here today to talk about the MPs. Apparently, they need bodyguards now. Uh, and it's going to be... Uh, at the taxpayer's expense. What do you reckon then, Simon? Do you think this is a real risk to MPs? Uh, or do you think this is a fear porn, possibly, on the media or the government's part? Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Mor Nat. Re really good to see you back. Um, yeah, uh, I think, OK, it's all planned. Uh, it, I think it goes 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 back a long way. Uh, during lockdown, I've been talking about lockdown a lot on uh, TNT radio and about you know all the things that were there. Um, I went on a march in 2021, around about July, and we went to Mark Drakeford's house. Uh, there was about 500 of us, and uh, uh, you know we were just literally peacefully protesting, shouting shouting uh, out. And there was a very similar big thing. Uh, that was caused exactly the same as uh, as this, you know, MPs have to be protected. Um, uh, I, I definitely think that it's 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 it, they, they want this uh, because they're taking advantage of everything that happens, uh, because for them, I think it's all about the money. 
you know, I, I really don't think that these uh, uh, politicians really care about the people and, and what's going on. And they're just looking for a little bit of protection for themselves. I was I was just laughing as you were saying about protesting about Mark, outside Mark Drakeford's house and being peaceful. I certainly would have used a few expletives. I'm sure there were some swear words in the protest, even even if it was peaceful. I'm sure uh, people called him a few names outside his house. Um, I certainly would have. I'll put my hands up to that. But it says uh, in the Sunday Times, three female politicians now need bodyguards and chauffeur-driven cars. Now that's normally uh, for like top politicians. Now they're not named, uh, but if that was to be extended, Simon, imagine how much that would cost if they started to say every MP in Wales and every MP uh, in England needed chauffeur-driven cars and bodyguards. Uh, it, it, do you think they're going to start heading it that way? Well, at a time when we, we are living, you know, in this uh, cost of living crisis, where literally, I'm sure a lot of your listeners and watchers will 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 be struggling just to buy food. And here are these MPs, you know, wanting more expenses, more of our taxpayers' money to look after them. Uh, I, I do appreciate that, you know, if you say something that, you know, people don't agree with, that you are going to receive a lot of hate. But is that really going to end in, uh, uh, you know, th this takes us on as well to uh, the things of like Joe Cox, uh, uh, the, the other minister that was in South End, where, uh, you know, and, and it's funny as well, because you're talking about mental health. And there, there, there is so much, you know, mental health because we've all been put under this sort of like a, a psychological operation over the last three years uh, that we are all sort of like going crazy. And um, I don't know if you can see or not, but my, my eyes are very teary because um, I actually uh, ha had a little cry before I came on because I was watching the, the um, uh, uh, American soldier who set himself alight in front of the Israeli embassy. Uh, they're showing, they're actually showing the footage. It's on, it's on, it's on Twitter. And it's so sad. Uh, and going back to what Gemma was saying on the news, you know, about, about the mental health. Um, I, I was thinking maybe we should call the UK the, uh, uh, are you okay? Uh, maybe, you know, re re rename it because, you know, for people to go to such extremes, to do that, to do something about that. And with these stories about, you know, the MPs talking about this, I think they're forgetting about, you know, the us, the, the, the people and, and everything that they're putting us under. Uh, and uh, I, I think I ought to take a break for a week, you know, just just to get away from it all, because we we literally we're, we're listening and analysing and looking at the news literally 24 seven. And it, it does have an effect on our mental health. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Simon. Um, and uh, yeah, I was reading an article, and as you rightly said, they have uh, used Sir David um, Amos as as almost like justification for this bodyguarding. Uh, but that was in October two thousand and twenty-one. Uh, you know, there hasn't been recent uh, incidents. Uh, Prime Minister Rishi has said. Uh, the MPs have been verbally threatened and physically violently targeted in recent weeks as protests have been hijacked by extremists to promote and glorify terrorism. So it seems to me this isn't just about MPs, Rick. They seem to be wanting to give police more powers for protesting. So I think there's another alternative motive here as well, Rick. 
Well, there is. And one thing to bear in mind uh, with my experience uh, growing up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, uh, personal protection details, uh, armed police uh, allocated to politicians was par for the course uh, because obviously a lot of politicians were under uh, threat of death or murder in Northern Ireland because of their political beliefs. And there was there was one case in particular, uh, I can testify to this, that I, I was visiting the, the nephew of a very prominent uh, Northern Ireland politician. And that when I drove into the driveway, it was just a farm. Uh, when I drove into the driveway, when I arrived from driving through the gates, arriving at the front door, two armed uh, police officers with submachine guns, bulletproof vests, came around a corner just as I parked the car. And uh, they asked me who I was, identify myself, et cetera. And then I told them why I was there. And I didn't realize any of this at the time. And when I asked the resident, he said, yep, they're permanently stationed there. There's electronic uh, triggers at the front of the drive. When a car comes in, it triggers it. They come out, they're permanently stationed here because of my uncle. I didn't know anything about that at the time. So this thing is is a thing, and it is something that happened over here for decades, and maybe it's something that we're going to see ruled out in the UK as the so-called threat levels are elevated. It's another excuse uh, for the police to flex and for powers and control to be put into place. So it's very possible, Natalie, that we could see that uh, if things keep going the way they are in the UK. Well, that, that, that's that's certainly the way that I see it from what I'm reading, whether we, we're not actually being told about what threats there are, Simon. We're just being, as we are told with COVID, we just keep getting told they're there. The threats are there. This is what needs to be done. Uh, we, we can't really uh, analyse ourselves and make a judgment about whether those funds should be spent. We're just being told in, in terms of fear porn again that they need protecting. But do we really know what they they need protecting from? Yeah, exactly. It, it's a slow creep towards totalitarianism. And uh, once these things are taken away, again, getting back to our kids, our, our kids, they, they, they won't realise that, that they'll say, you know, in 10 years time, oh, what, what you were allowed to write that on Twitter? You know, you were allowed, you were allowed to do that. You, you actually were allowed to go and climb up on uh, to plinths and statues and things like that. They're, they're trying to take away all our rights. Now, I do agree that there are some times that, you know, you have to have a little bit of like, um, uh, what's it called? You know, you've got, you've got to have a bit, bit be sensible. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you had uh, uh, people jumping up on statues and stuff like that, and even in Bristol as well, tipping statues into, uh, in, in, into, into rivers and stuff, you know, it, it really isn't acceptable. However, with everything, okay, there is there is a, a reason that we have it. We, we're supposed to live in a democracy where you know you can say what you want and do what you want. Um, but it's looking more and more like uh, we're, we're living in a sort of like a Hunger Games or a, a movie, a bad movie. And all these movies, they seem to be coming true. I thought it was all for our entertainment, but it seems like it was all just sort of like uh, programming, you know, where they were just priming us so that we were ready for this uh, total dystopia that we're now starting to, to see creeping into our lives. And yeah, and, and I would say as well, arguably with uh, these bodyguards uh, that they're saying that they're going to get, isn't the problem that 
that if people are rising up, that the government are doing wrong. So rather than them actually look at themselves and say, well, hold on a minute, why do they need security? You know, let's question ourselves and take some accountability here. No, no, it's just, it's, it's the people's fault again. It's not the government. Uh, so, you know, the, to me, you know, if you need that much security, you should be asking yourself exactly why that is, but that's not happening. But our time has come to an end, I'm afraid, Simon. I'm sure we could carry on chatting as usual. Uh, but don't forget, you can follow him at Gold Eagle Media One. And I'm sure we'll see you again soon. And we've got John Porter after the headlines here at today's News Talk. Check this out. News Talk Radio. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Washington's resurrecting its Russia playbook, warning Moscow could try to interfere with this year's presidential election. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley suffered an embarrassing defeat, losing to Donald Trump in her home state of South Carolina. And Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed to raid the city of Rafah, regardless of whether a ceasefire or hostage deal is agreed upon or not. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Monday, the 26th of February, and we're joined by the one and only John Porter again this morning. He's very kindly agreed to uh, grace us with his presence here on TNT, today's news talk. He is a uh, broadcaster. Uh, well, I don't know, call him an investigative journalist, call him whatever you like, uh, but he's part of the wonderful Chasing Descent podcast that you can follow and support on the YouTube channel. Welcome back, John, and how are you doing this fine Monday morning? Cheers, Rick. I'm doing great. Um, I've uh, always good to see you guys again. Nice to see you back, Natalie, after your absence last week. Um, I did offer to fill in, but unfortunately, your boots are too big for me. But looking forward to getting the both of you on to um, Chasing Descent on mm -hmm. 6th of March, I think. So we're looking forward so. to that. Yeah. What I would say, though, is put on a brighter shirt. No, this is this is my bright oh, shirt. Oh, this is uh, this is our uniform. <laughs> this is the my bright shirt. Uniform. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to see you don't want to see our dark uniform. Believe me, this yeah. is our bright and uh, airy <laughs> uniform. Uh, we're, we're having a chuckle, John, just before you came on there. Natalie was saying about the, you know she was off work last week, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna drop her in it here. When the headline broke about Alexei uh, Navalny being associated, she mistook it for Dylan Mulvaney. You know no, the blood no baby, guy last year. So we just had to reassure. No, it's not, not Dylan Mulvaney. It's actually Alexei Navalny. No, but there's a yeah, there's different a whole person, different story. Different. Maybe he's next to the KGB or MI6 hit list. We don't know. But uh, there's an awful lot going on in and around this one here, John. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it dominated the headlines when it first happened, yeah. but hasn't yeah, gone that, away. Uh, new strands and things are appearing here. Uh, what do you make of it in terms of, of course, Britain and uh, NATO are blaming Putin. But my experience mm -hmm. is when they're pointing the finger of blame at someone else, there's usually three yeah. fingers pointing back at them. What do you make of this? Well, yeah, I mean, all we'll have to do is look at the evidence. So, you know, Navalny is allegedly Putin's top, um, what would you call it, opposition. Mm -hmm. No, no, he, he was polling 1% to 2% when he was a politician. He was associated with neo-Nazism in Russia. Um, so he, he wasn't really covering himself in any kind of glory. So if, if your top opposition was, was Navalny, it's like saying Richard Tice is going to be the next prime minister. And that's mm -hmm. not going to happen. So... Moving on, what's Putin got to gain 
from from Navalny's death because this is this is coming up on the the anniversary of the well this is the anniversary of the SMO starting that's it today so we're coming up on the anniversary of the SMO we're we're coming up on the Russian elections we're coming up on the anniversary of the Skripals remember the Skripals the Novichok mm. poisoning that happened in mm-hmm. uh, uh, just down the road from a certain place that actually is one of the only two places outside Russia that holds Novichok, that's pouring down. Um, and then, you know, what's what's he got to gain? What's he got to gain by knocking this guy off? Because it doesn't make sense. I mean, we had Tucker Carlson do his, his famous interview, and, the, and Tucker then asks the most naive question ever, can we take Evan Gershowitz back with us? You know, and, and Putin gave the game away there because he said it's it's being discussed. It's in channels. Well, that means that Gershowitz is a CIA op because if it's in channels, the FSB is talking to the CIA, and uh, you know there's no way Gershowitz was ever going to go back with knock with Tucker. And Tucker should have known that. It was a stupid question to ask him. Really, that was the one part of the interview that really disappointed me more than anything, apart from the fact he didn't really push back that much. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we've now got. The UK and part of that Tucker advert uh, interview was um, was Boris, you know Boris being exposed to the normal people because we've been talking about it for years. You've been talking about it, we've been talking about it, and this is what you said last week, Rick, about it really being important to listen to independent media because if you hadn't listened to independent media, that Boris thing came as a revelation, and it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. Boris went to Ukraine. And suddenly any potential peace deal was put aside and they all went straight to war. And hundreds of thousands of people have died on both sides unnecessarily. But moving on, a, what's the UK? Sorry. I was going to say, just uh, just you mentioned there about uh, you know the numbers of people that are dead as well. If you notice yesterday, uh, uh, Zelensky came out with figures to say, uh, but we have lost 18,000 troops. Russia's lost hundreds of thousands of casualties. There are people out there that will take what that mm-hmm. lang rat says at face value, and then they'll pipe that yeah. around their friend circles. But of course, we know the figures are horribly skewed against Ukrainians and towards the, the Russians. And let's face it all, all yeah. the deaths are totally unnecessary. This could have been prevented back in February of 2022 yeah. because Johnson scuppered the deal. But again, we've been talking about that, but the normies have been kept away from the truth exactly. or don't want to accept it. And hence the importance of doing what we're doing at the minute, just telling exactly. the truth. Yep. And and then we look at, we, so we look at what what's Britain got to gain about it. Well, Boris is back in the news for the wrong reasons. When just before that, they started talking about Boris coming back to the Conservative Party because regardless of what you think of Boris, the public love him, right? The normies love Boris and they, they can't see him doing any wrong. And and he would give them a boost. He would give them a boost. But, you know, so that that didn't help his chances. Then we've got, we've got, uh, what's his name? Navalny's wife is in Munich and she... You know, the the day after he gets he, or he dies, he, suddenly she's got the floor and talking to all of the Munich Security Conference. Um, Britain's been implicated in the downing of the IL seventy six that was carrying the POWs back to um, Ukraine from Russia. Britain's been implicated in all the naval attacks that's happened in the Crimea. They've been implicated in the Nord Stream attack as well. You know, I mean, remember the famous Liz Truss? It's mm-hmm. done. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. so Britain's got an awful lot to gain from deflecting and putting this back on Putin. 
What, what's Putin got to gain? Nothing. It just makes him look stupid at a time when he's coming up for election, you know, when, when other people are coming up for election. I mean, this is going to be the most elections ever this year, everywhere. Um, so I think MI6 had a hand in it because what's his name's lawyer visited him two days before, you know, Navalny's lawyer visited him two days before he dies. Navalny was known to be taking drugs. Um, maybe he slipped him a package that had something more than you know, more than it should have had in it. Um, it's a possibility. It's and and then to put the icing on the cake, what happened yesterday? Budinov, you know, the Ukraine's uh, intelligence chief comes out and goes, "No, he, he he actually just had a heart attack. He died of a blood clot." So he's like, "Oh no, 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 no! We had nothing to do with it. We didn't help the British at all." Because let's face it, Ukraine, Russia, you know, if any if any country's intertwined, I mean, look at what's his name, Sarzy the Butcher. His family still live in Russia. His brother still lives in Russia. You know, the guy's a Russian. <laughs> John, John there's a, Natalie, I was going to say, I was just going to ask you a question. All these uh, speculations going on about the cause of death as well, the, the, the craziest one that I've seen so far is someone has been able to actually <laughs> well, they took him outside in his underpants, made him stand at minus 27 degrees Celsius, and then listen to this. This is the edging in the cake. They killed him with the infamous KGB heart punch. So they said Single someone punch. stripped him into his pants. <laughs> made him stand outside until it got cold enough and then punched yeah. him in the chest and that's how they killed him. How do they yeah. know this? I mean, again, people yeah, are actually spreading when, this around. You know, how do they know this? Rick, wouldn't they have if that was the case, wouldn't they have at least filmed it, you know, as, yes. a, you know, to put it out Somebody there? Somebody would have had uh, the camera, example. wouldn't they? Somebody but, but, but would have had the camera. They're missing right? the trick because I did read that Ukraine said it was a blood clot. Maybe he died suddenly yeah. from the vaccine. Well, that, you never know what, that nobody has put that forward at the moment, you know, so maybe we'll find that out. That's what Budinov said yesterday. But the, I mean, the other thing is they're saying his chest was covered in bruises. Well, if somebody's had a heart attack, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to give them CPR. And believe me, their chest gets covered in bruises if they live, you know. Because they're calling it the KGB, the KGB the, death, the death punch. punch. That's the new, name, the new name for CPR. Maybe they should yeah. have put that in the breathtaking documentary. Uh, you know, yeah. when the NHS were talking about not resuscitating, they said, yeah. we had the KGB death punch them, but we weren't prepared to do it because of droplets, droplets. But anyway, uh, we've got to we've got to put a full stop in this one as per now, John. But very interesting points but that you're making one, there, of course. With the, one thing, yeah. one one thing, right? Just to to, to put in mind. <clears throat> Has the UK gone rogue? Have they overstepped their mark? Are they pushing too hard now? Because this seems to be more than even America's looking to do. So is the UK trying to assert its position, its former position in the world as some kind of you know kingmaker? Mm -hmm. Could be, could be. And certainly if they're not, they're at least, at the very least, we know this, they're working in cahoots and lockstep with whatever their, uh, well, their former handlers, the uh, United States of America, were telling them to do. So interesting points there, uh, John. I much appreciate it. Really appreciate you coming on again. And uh, please check out uh, Chasing Descent on YouTube and support those guys in any way that you can. So thanks very much to you for that, John. We've got to take a quick uh, ad break right now. And when we come back at the other side, not left. Plenty to say. The lines will be open. So please feel free to give us a call here on TNT Today's News Talk. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Dr. Matthew Wilicki is a bit like Dr. Judith Curry. Both of them were prominent academics in their field and they left their field because of the fact they could not put up with the whole global warming missive. And of course, they have become outcasts. 
Dr. Curry actually had some of her background at Penn State, and she has been called some mean and nasty names by Michael Mann, to a point where I don't understand why she hasn't sued him for libel and slander, but it's her life. In any case, Dr. Wilicki has this idea about rethinking climate change metrics. Now, this is not an old idea. In fact, one of my professors at Penn State back in the 70s said that temperature is a third-rate way of measuring climate, and he's right, because the temperature can spread apart from what we call the dew point. What is a better way to measure climate is with what we call wet bulbs. But better than that, the best of all is water vapor. We have something that we work with as meteorologists called saturation mixing ratios. And it shows a direct correlation between the amount of water vapor in the air and the temperature. So why aren't we quantifying water vapor? You know why? Because it will reveal that water vapor is the main driving force behind the warming. Now what's causing extra water vapor? Well, it's not extra CO2 in the air, it's the warming oceans. What's warming the oceans? That's not from the extra CO2 in the air either. So Dr. Wilicki's idea of rethinking climate change metrics is an excellent idea. And we should be quantifying water vapor. Fat chance given $63 trillion is already behind this whole net zero agenda. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Be on the lookout and alert for anything out of the ordinary. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you for your cooperation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back and thank you to everyone in the online chat. We've got Mazzy, Jane Black, Hidden in Plain Sight. We've got Marley Bites. So thank you for everybody's contributions. We've also got a caller on the line, uh, Johnny Woodrow from the UK. Hello, are you out there? Hello, yes, I am. Yeah, I was um, I was just listening to your conversation with Simon Gold, and he said Hunger Games at the same time as I did out loud on the um, on the theme of um, politicians uh, wanting to have um, uh, chauffeur-driven cars and um, armed guards and all the rest of it. Um, so I I, I I just thought it it it, it is about. Um, demonizing the population isn't it and there's a kind of a moving everything that might criticize um power into the category of potential terrorism and so you set up this um political class uh kind of behind glass everywhere um in in so uh, distance 
from the um, from the general population who are all assumed to be a pop a, a potential danger. Um, so anyway, and so I, I was just thinking, gosh, it does sound like Hunger Games, doesn't it? Or um, I don't know that, that that recent Star Wars one where they've got um, I forget the name of it. It's gone out my head now. Uh, where there's the, the young revolutionary um, and all the politicians are flying around in bubble cars, you know, this sort of thing, and they never ever meet an ordinary person. Anyway, that was just a thought I had. As you said that, Johnny, though, I was thinking about the Hunger Games and the the, the kind of poverty gap uh, that exists there between those in the capital yeah. and those who live in the district. And essentially, that's what they're trying to do, isn't it, Rick, when they want to protect these MPs? They're telling us, aren't they, that they're living yeah. in the capital and they're more important than us plebs and us, us servants. Yeah, Johnny, the thing is, too, I, I can understand, like I said, my experience is that uh, growing up in Northern Ireland, politicians over here were actually at risk of being shot and blown up. And many of them were yeah. shot and blown up. So there was justification, uh, maybe, to have police presences uh, to protect their lives, OK, to keep them safe. But I don't see any threat anywhere close to that to British politicians, despite the fact that they're reviled and people don't think very much of them. Maybe the odd egg gets thrown and the odd insult gets it's thrown around on social media. But to my knowledge, uh, there are no uh, death threats or there have been no attempts on any politician's life within the UK. So I think this is a little bit of overkill and maybe feeding into the narrative that you guys are talking about there, this Hunger Games business. There's a gap between us and them. They need protection. We don't. They need to be, uh, you know, chauffeured around. We don't. So I think, yeah, it's driving a wedge in the them and us mindset uh, within the UK. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, um, and uh, thank you. Sorry, Johnny, did you want to say something else? I, I, I was just going to say, I think, I don't know if anyone's seen that uh, interview with Tucker Carlson and a guy called Mike Benz, I think, um, which talks about how the CIA turned their kind of regime change um, uh, uh, toolkit onto home turf and, um, and shifted policy to, to make all kinds of criticism against designated institutions including the media a potential terrorist offense so that if you tweet something you are endangering trust in the media or the government or something like that so with that background and knowing that the uk are kind of in cahoots with that 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 colors this i i take rick's point there was a there was a period where uh, and in a, in a particular context where um, MPs were, I have friends who uh, in Northern Ireland, I travel there quite frequently, um, uh, uh, who, who's, I know one, one father now deceased uh, was a politician and had to have all that kind of protection. But this, this background kind of shift in the narrative that sort of says any criticism is potentially a threat to democracy. And so we need um, the institutions barricaded from the populace. So I think that's, that's another element that sort of that makes this all smell strange. Anyway, that was all I was going to say. Mm. Yeah, Thank and, you, and adding... And adding to that as well, thank you, Johnny. And I was just saying, adding to that, uh, when I was last in it, we were talking about someone who had done, been done for terrorism for wearing just a picture of a paraglider. So, you know, I mean, you know, what do we call terrorism now? And uh, that goes on from what Johnny was saying. So thank you for calling in. I believe we've also got another caller uh, on the line. Is that correct here? Is Bernie here? Our good old friend Bernie, you on the oh, phone? Yeah. You oh, are. Yeah, what morning, have you hit? I'm well. What 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 have you got to discuss this morning, Benny? Just a quick comment on your previous guest who was talking about Tucker Carlson, and uh, he felt that the question he'd asked him about whether 
this guy who's who's uh, in jail in Russia is was CIA was CIA or not was a naive question. I don't think it was naive. Tucker Carlson's father was in the CIA. I don't think he's a fool. I think it was quite deliberate that he asked the way he did, probably to smoke out whether the Russians actually think he is CIA um, rather than just being a, being a nuisance. And I think what that's confirmed is that that he was somehow uh, supported by the CIA, or at least the Russians have reason to believe so, because otherwise they wouldn't be having opening that channel of, of conversation. And I mean, I also thought that the other comment generally that whether whether Carlson was being tough enough on Putin was an interesting point. I look at it slightly differently. He disarmed him by being by letting him talk, and I think he said more by what he didn't say. If you listen to it carefully, the subtleties of some of the responses from Putin were, were questions he could have answered but didn't want to answer because it would have uh, set some sort of record going or some sort of um, a point of view going that he didn't want to to be endorsing. So I, I thought it was. I mean, Putin himself said he didn't like the style of interview because he was ready for the attack dog approach, which he was you know, fully prepared for and didn't actually enjoy the interview. Now, whether he was saying that to support Carlson because he, it gave him some air, who knows? But I generally thought that seemed quite genuine, that comment to me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I think, actually see the interview, Rick. I must admit, I thought I should, and I never got round to it. I just don't. I I can't imagine that every single question wasn't vetted uh, by the Russians before it was allowed to be said. I mean, it would have been ticked off whether you know can it be said or cannot. So Putin would have agreed with it, and and it wouldn't have been aired if he didn't want to. Surely. Yeah, I think when you mentioned attack dogs there, Bernie, as well, you know, Putin said he was prepared for the attack dog approach. I think Putin had his attack dogs <laughs> probably behind those big Kremlin doors. And if Tucker had a step down the line, let's be under no illusion about this. You know, I, I would like to think that I could meet any politician and give them a hard time. But if I was invited to Russia in the Kremlin, surrounded by the KGB, yeah. maybe old Rick would think twice before giving Vladimir Putin both barrels of the old Irish, uh, you know, uh, the old Irish um, uh, word of mouth. So all I'm saying is, yeah, it was an interesting one, but you make a very good point, Bernie, yeah. as well. Uh, when you start to dig into the background of Tucker Carlson and his family ties and whatnot, his family are well connected uh, at high levels in the CIA as well. And who knows, uh, the, the word on the street is uh, Carlson was a field CIA recruit, or maybe he wasn't, we don't know, but he certainly got himself a big old platform right now, not only just on Fox News as one of the highest paid uh, news presenters in the world, but of course now he's eking his trade on uh, X. Mm -hmm. To your point though, Rick, to your point about whether, um, I mean, I, I, it's not realistic in my, in my view that, that Putin would have would have taken any repercussions on him if he'd yeah. asked him difficult questions. No, I, it I just doesn't, I was kind of joking. It doesn't gel yeah. yeah, okay, okay. It doesn't gel because he's got nothing to win from that. It just it just increases his bogeyman view outside. So I, I don't think he'd ever have done that. He just would have refused to answer them. Or it wouldn't have been aired. It would have, that, whatever went out, Putin would have had to have agreed 
and, and seeing the whole interview. So who knows if there were questions that, that we didn't see is it is my point as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, both sides would have agreed whatever went out to be aired. So that has to be taken into account, obviously, when it's gone. I, I'm everything. having I'm having a smile too, Bernie. All I'm picturing in my head now is the doors bursting open as Tucker asks a difficult question and being put in a headlock and thrown into a gulag <laughs> and appearing on Russian TV in striped pajamas. You know, uh, of course, it was never going to happen. But how much credibility would Putin have got among many people uh, if he had actually said, oh, you, you don't talk to me like that in Kremlin? Yeah. Gulag, oh, sent oh, to Gulag, sent to Gulag. But of course, yeah. uh, that was never going to happen. So yeah, uh, appreciate the input, Bernie, yes. as always. You, Bernie. And it's always lovely uh, to hear from you and hear your insights in these matters. And you have a lovely day. Whatever you're doing, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, let's be honest, Nat, if we were invited to the Kremlin uh, tomorrow, you would be tippy-toeing around a little bit. You'd be looking over your shoulder. You'd be wondering, am I being set up for something? Because when they get you on their turf, they can do pretty much whatever they want with you, can't they? They can, but it was... I, look, I, you know what I'm like. I didn't want to watch it. It just felt like theatre to me. Oh, Tolka Carlson gets an interview. Um, he only reveals everything that we already know. You know, I, I, I just I just felt like it was a bit theatrical. You know, it was two people that were that, that were getting out of it. Tolka Carlson gets his viewing figures. Putin mm -hmm. uh, gets it, gets his point out, and gets and gets to uh, vet everything that he says. So you know, I didn't take it all too seriously, uh, but that, that's that's just me. Uh, but there, but there we go. Uh, we move on to different stories. Uh, mm -hmm. That 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 now that that now let's move forward. Maybe we'll have another second interview, and they'll make that mm -hmm. even bigger. Maybe they'll put oh, it on at the cinemas. Gotta yeah, be they'll put it on at the cinemas, maybe you know, make mm -hmm. ma ma make it even make it even bigger for everybody to get excited about Rick. It'll be like Rocky too, you know. It'll be Tucker yeah. and Vlad too, you know. Two. The return to the Kremlin, Boom. or maybe maybe he'll come to America and do it. Who knows? But yeah, I I I must admit I didn't sip through the thing either. I watched little snippets here and That's there, but I've made a few predictions uh, a few days beforehand, and I said he's going to talk about. He's going to tell us. He's going to give us a history lesson in Ukraine. He's going to explain yeah. why he did what he did. He's going to talk that. about Johnson. He's going to talk about this, and so he did. Maybe I've missed stuff out there, but I think we get the point. He was just confirming what we've already been saying for the last two years. But now, of course, because Putin said it, uh, all of a sudden people are paying attention. And that's understandable. He has a much bigger yeah. presence in the world stage than us. Not to say that we weren't right in the first place. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just as important, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever I was like, <laughs> oh dear. But, uh, but going just but we've got a quick bit of time. This is a funny story. Um, uh, Rainer, uh, from the Labour Party. Ah, uh, this is an embarrassing one. Rules for thee and not for me. Uh, mm -hmm. so, uh, as part of the Labour Party, she wants to get rid of the or, or at least change the rules on the right to buy, but it's come out. She actually bought her council house and then made a profit of £48,500. I find that a little bit embarrassing if I was that shocking. person. Absolutely shocking. shocking, isn't it? You know, you've ma you've managed to make a profit, but uh, no, she doesn't want that to happen for people in the future. She wants to take that away. So she's managed to uh, benefit from it, but it won't be for other people moving forward, Rick.
Yeah, been uh, been uh, labelled as a hypocrite by many people. Yeah. Uh, Angela Rayner has rejected accusations of hypocrisy after she benefited from a housing policy developed by Maggie Thatcher that she has since criticised. So the bottom line is, as you rightly say, she made forty-eight and a half grand profit of a, a council house that she bought and then sold on. And then this is what she said: she said that she's the shut levelling up. Uh, shadow secretary funnily enough she's leveling herself up quite well in all of this she insisted that she is not ashamed to have bought her council house at a discounted rate in 2007 uh, under the right to buy scheme despite wanting to review it if her party gets into power so this is rank hypocrisy of the highest order criticizing thatcher criticizing right to buy policies talking about abolishing them and in the meantime she's flogging off her own council house at a tidy almost 50k profit unbelievable i wonder their constituents it, make that kind of money turning properties over i doubt it somehow if you actually read uh, her statement it basically says no i only agree with the uh the the tory bits in in it that made it worse but i don't i do agree with some uh, some right to buy if you've been in the house for so long blah 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 she's trying to justify her, uh, her actions here uh but to me it was always wrong in the first place there needs to be social housing and the problem with the right to buy scheme is suddenly you know so many people went and bought their council house there simply aren't enough council houses anymore so you know it's all very well for Angela Rayner to sit there and say oh I, I it was okay for me but now we want to have social housing back you know it's, it's hypocrisy at the highest standards but what do we expect from politicians anymore uh Rick isn't, isn't this isn't, isn't this the way it always it always goes so it's worth pointing out anyway uh because for me uh, you know it, when the politicians are that bad it needs to be said uh maybe people will realize how bad they are across the, the the rest of the uk but it's time uh, for us to come to an end it's been my first day back it's been enjoyable a uh, shame we didn't get to talk about dinner dylan mulvaney's assassination maybe another day eh? uh but uh i will be back at this time tomorrow at 9 a.m carry on listening to rick at locked and loaded and you go out there and have a great day live life in the present as i said bye bye <laughs>